today. It's Mets Wrap 360. There's a lot to talk about, but uh, we're going to focus a lot of the show on one word seven times. Jose, 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 Jose. Mets Wrap starts now. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, look at this. It's a party in here. Changing it up. That's right. Jose, Jose, Jose. A lot of happy memories of this song. Not as many happy memories as the Meet the Mets song, but, you know, look. It's a, it's a big day, a big week for uh, the New York Metropolitans. And uh, they uh, basically, how many years ago was it, Matt, that, we, uh, that, that Jose signed with the Miami Marlins? Was it 2012? 2011, well, after yeah. After the 2011 season. season. So, and, and they spent millions of dollars on him. Oh, but the Mets have him for... Mega. Yeah, the, yeah. The, uh, the Mets are going to get him for $300,000. And we'll talk more about that in a second. Welcome to Mets Wrap 360. I'm Christian Blatt, at Christian Danzi. Next to me, Andrea Fasano, at Andy Fasano. And way down at the far end of the desk, Matt Ritter, at... Matt Ritter one. What is up, Mets Nation? Yeah. And uh, in a few minutes, we're going to be joined by a special guest. Uh, that'll be exciting. Uh, actor, comedian Joe. Is it Prano? Or mm-hmm. okay, we mm-hmm. want to make sure that there's no like the N is silent or something crazy. He co-hosts the Dirty Sports podcast, and I love what his Twitter is at Fix Your Life. I'll have to ask him <laughs> about that because like I I was putting the message together, and I'm like, okay, at Joe Prano. No, that's a different. It's like just some guy who likes to ride his bike in the morning, and I'm like, well, that's not him. Joe's got opinions. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and I think he's uh, gonna disagree with uh, my excitement. That uh, first of all, I uh, this is not the same black jersey that I wore. Uh, to commemorate Johan Santana's uh, no-hitter. If I spin around, I don't even know if you'll see it for those that are watching, but it's the the Reyes, which I thought I'd never get to wear again. And, you know, (laughs) that right there is reason enough to be excited. But then also, I posted this online. It's a bottle of Cabareas... A wine that I bought, it, and Matt was like, "Well, when did you get that? Like ten years ago?" I'm like, "No, it was eight. It was eight years ago." Um, and I'm gonna bring this to the show every day. And if Jose does something that's really beneficial and he contributes in a good way to the team, then we'll drink it on the show. Um, we'll see if we get to open it. Yeah, I haven't most, opened it yet. Most domestic violence incidents do start with too much wine. Oh, right, man, exactly. Which there, you bring in the, uh, <laughs> the angle that, that uh, sure, I'll pass it to you, Andrew. Take a look. Uh, look, there's a, a lot of things that makes it a great signing for the Mets because it's just a gamble. It's $300,000. Even the Mets, when they don't want to spend money, they can spend that sort of money. Uh, his production is way down. I saw him playing, this is like three years ago for the Blue Jays, maybe only two years ago. He's playing for the Blue Jays in a game in Anaheim, and he just was not enjoying baseball. He was just there punching a time card. And, you know, I think he lost some of that fire, and he also lost a lot of his ability. But as Keith Hernandez said on the broadcast, if there's any way for Jose to kind of reignite whatever's left for his career, uh, going to New York is it. Uh, Matt, first your thoughts on just from the baseball perspective, taking this chance and what it could mean. It could mean very little. Yeah. Uh, he's a shell of a baseball player at it's this true. point. Um, you know, he's, I don't know, I mean, he did steal 24 
bases, which would be more than our entire yeah, team. Yeah, they have 14 bases still. But I just yeah. don't see him playing every day no. at all. I, I don't see him being better than anybody that we're putting out there at either uh, third or or the outfield. There's a lot of talk. Yeah, he might play in the outfield. I, you know, I just, I just don't, I don't necessarily see it. I mean, look, as a, as a pinch hitter, as a pinch runner, sure, we might get some utility here and there, or, or you know, just days off. Look, we don't have a great roster, so you know, it's kind of like anybody you add to this squad yeah, we'll is fine. Um, you look, know, if he takes playing time away from Matt Reynolds, I'm going to be okay with that. I don't know I, about I, that. I, I, I'm, you know, look again. It's too early to, yeah, to, it's to very write early. the book on Reynolds, but you got to yeah. think Reynolds is on the way up, and we already know Reyes is on the way down. But look, there's a chance that he, you know, does something, wins a game here and there. Sure, I'll, I, I will take it. I feel that it's unprincipled to be one of those clubs that signs. Uh, Domestic abusers, although no court found him guilty, so it's a bit of a gray area. Right, which is why I wanted to talk to Andrea about this. <laughs> when this happened, I was, you know, there was a chance that you were going to be in, in Nashville and unable to join us, yep. so I'm glad that you're here Me too. to give us the female perspective on this because. Matt and I, we don't know anything about you know lady stuff. So um, <laughs> when, I'm when so it comes, sorry for you guys. is that just yeah. lady stuff? Yeah. So no, but it's a, it's a, it's an issue that yeah. you know we're looking at it like you know look it could work from a baseball perspective makes sense. But what do you think about you know the team signing a guy who you know there was a police report all this there there was an incident and his wife ultimately didn't press charges right and he's in counseling and all that. Ultimately, how do you feel about signing someone that, you know, has this kind of history? Well, I'll preface with this. The fact that, um, thankfully, I have not experienced something like this. So although I am female, I cannot speak to sure. that issue as a whole or from any sort of experience, thankfully. Um, I will just say that obviously reading about it, I kind of have this feeling that I always have when there's these huge names and professional people that get paid so much freaking money and do wrong. I don't care if it's drugs, you know, like models even that are caught like doing, sure. you know what I mean? If you're caught, I just feel like you're Or exposed. inexplicably running a dog fighting ring in your basement. Exactly. Just picking that out of nowhere. Nobody did that. Nobody just did a thought that. in right. my head. I, yeah. And I totally hear it. You get it. Because yeah. I, I just feel like there's so much talent out there. Why do we have to keep getting these people? Now, people make mistakes. There's an argument for that. Sure. Fine. Um, although he wasn't you know, didn't have to go to court and everything like that. Like, although it was dropped because the wife didn't say anything, he is apologetic and he said he did it. He obviously did. Exactly. And um, he sat out a long time for it. He lost some some money for it. Yeah. Not a lot. There's still 40 million more dollars that the Rockies have to pay him after cutting him. Okay. So I I don't like it. I just don't think, to Matt's point, what's the point? Like, you can't find anybody else. I do, I kind of like on the baseball side that like, yeah, he's an ex-Mets player sure. and maybe, let's just talk just baseball right now. Ex-Mets player, really loved his time there, loved, lives on Long Island, loves that, you know? Mm-hmm. So very I kind of see him, very popular still. with the fans, had a huge long run there and a, and a good one. I see him coming back and actually maybe stepping up a little more in a bit of thanks to the fans and to the team and the club and everything like that. I just, there's a huge side of me that has a problem with anybody, I don't care who you are, giving someone like this a second chance, a third chance, a whatever chance, and it just... It, it does bother me. It irks me a bit. Well, there's there's but I would something like to about see him. him kind of um, shine almost in the fact yeah. in light of that. 
Now, it makes sense that the Blue Jays traded him last year because they got Troy Tulowitzki, a much better all-around player than Reyes, especially at this uh, state. But they did trade him, you know, in the middle of a pen and chase, and then he ended up in Colorado, where he clearly was not happy about having been traded, and he didn't understand the whole thing. So... We'll see. If the Mets continue to be playing at least reasonably well and he's contributing, he'll probably give it his all. But if we get to the middle of August and they're, you know, 15 games out of the wild card, well, then why would we be doing this show? But besides that, (laughs) you know, I don't know how hard he's going to play. Yeah, but no, I mean, I look, I think he's going to play hard because... You know, this is his yeah. last chance. This really. is definitely his last chance. This is, chance. you know, last exit, oh, for you know, sure. for, yeah. for him. I mean, Terry Collins said it's a second chance, you know, Yeah, and I conditions. believe, look, I believe, yeah. you know, people are fallible. They make mistakes, yada, yada. Right. I don't, personally, I think, you know, domestic violence, in the scheme of things, to me, is far on that end of, like, low character. Like, I'd rather have somebody who did some drugs. Uh, right. Yes. You know, vi- violence, to me, is like that. That's, like, really. There's no that, excuse. Yeah, there's no excuse. Like, Drug, you know, I mean, drugs, drugs. You're hurting yourself. You're, yeah. you're, there's, you're an addict. There's, you're not addicted to beating there, there, people. There's you know? a few guys with Mets World Series rings that had drug, prob- drug problems. So, oh, obviously, yeah. it's a lot easier to kind of move past, you know. But, so. look, the thrift store, scrap heap, I'll pick anybody up for 300 grand <laughs> at this well, point. And that's know? another point that I thought about. And I was like, especially when the Rockies are going to pay off whatever else. 40 million. Like, yeah. 40, yeah. 38 million. Okay, okay you're right. Yeah, and, yeah. and, yeah, he's going to get it anyway. So, it's like, it's a, you know, you don't win from no. my perspective as, as talking about this. Like, it, my opinion doesn't matter at this point. But um, it does. And that's, that's a really good point, too, yeah. I think. Well, we'll see. And, you know, if he plays well, I think it'll become something that people don't talk about. And it's... Probably one of the only places he could go back to is to New York. You know, I agree, so, and I think that they might play it. Yeah, so uh, I believe our guest is with us now, mm-hmm. and uh, I believe uh, Joe Prano is with us, who co-hosts the Dirty Sports podcast. And his Twitter, as I mentioned earlier, I'm very excited about this, is at Fix Your Life. His website is JoePrano.com. Joe, welcome to Mets Wrap 360. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Joey, we got you on here. Uh, So first and foremost, uh, you know, it's almost like something about being a Mets fan. I talked about this in our first show when uh, Jim Brewer was here. When you find out someone's a Mets fan, it's almost like you need to know, like, well, what happened? You know, like, (laughs) it's like, did you choose this? Because it's not something that a lot of us willingly decide like yes i i need to have you know i need to be the the fan of the second fiddle team in new york so uh how where exactly are you from in the new york area and how did you end up a mets fan joe i am from westchester county katona specifically and uh my mom is from queens Mm -hmm. and so you know just her actually, her side of the family, a lot of Yankees fans, just because the Mets were a late arrival to New York. But sure. being from Queens, it was like, oh, you're you root for the Mets. And then I'm uh, born in '79, so you know I was six, seven years old uh, when they were winning, and it was just at the time it seemed like the smart decision. Yeah, no, and it's it's uh, you know I'm a few only a few years older than you. I was ten when they won the World Series and in 1986 the Yankees were terrible. So it was an easy choice. My brother's 5 years older than me, so he was able to appreciate the late 70s Yankees teams. So I get that. But uh yeah, it it's a, it's a lot of timing, you know. I think that Kids born in the mid-90s will probably find a lot of, like, oh, yeah, of course I'm a Yankees fan because they were, you know, in the playoffs every year my whole life. Uh, (laughs) Joe, before uh, you joined us, we were talking about 
the uh, the Mets gamble on Jose Reyes, and I got the impression from Twitter that it's not something you're excited about. So give us your thoughts about uh, signing Reyes to a minor league deal. You know, yeah, it's definitely not something I'm excited about. I I, I understand it because if, if you're going to get anything out of Jose Reyes, you're going to get it out of him on the Mets. They didn't take that much of a financial gamble. So I don't hate it from that standpoint. The one thing I do love about this Mets team, though, is that they seem to all get along. They seem to all get it in terms of, with the exception of maybe Matt Harvey, how to deal with the media and how to deal with being <laughs> young and successful. Um, and now Jose Reyes coming with a lot of baggage. Yeah, uh, I think that's the official media term for you hit your wife, coming with baggage. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just wonder if it's going to be worth it for the potential negative effects on the clubhouse and the press hoopla and all that for Jose Reyes, who, you know, what does he have left? I mean, he hit 270 across two teams last year. He stole, what, like 25 bases or something like that. It's not like we're getting a guy back to winning batting titles or, or stealing 70 bases. Right, exactly. Although, as uh, Matt pointed out earlier, uh, 25 bases is more than the entire Mets team has at this point. So it's... it's Yeah, twice it, as much. Yeah, <laughs> it's well worth the gamble, and it, it is just that. I think in terms of how he'll mesh with the team, you know, it, it's sort of a... It, it's a little thing, but it'll be interesting to see if when he finally ends up on the Mets after the, you know, after the minor league games... Is does he try and you know get his number seven away from Travis Darnell, or does he just show up and wear whatever they feel like giving him? You know, does he like, hey, I'm a star, I'm number seven, and you know, it's it's. I a think si- they said Darno's giving it to him. Really? Wow. Good for Darno. I think I read maybe somebody was messing around on Twitter. I think I saw that. Oh. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's one of those things where if Darno that says yeah. a lot about Darno because does. he doesn't have to. Yeah. You know, I'm sure and that he shouldn't. I'm sure he wouldn't give it to his brother Chase Darno if they ended up on. <laughs> the same team hey, hey joe i got a question for you where do you i mean where do you think jose play like where do you think he contributes like how does he where does he go in the lineup where does he go in the field like i just don't get it to me i think the only way to use him without putting yourself in a position where you it comes back to bite you in the asses have him be off the bench as a pinch hitter as a pinch runner yeah, i mean exactly. as a pinch hitter he's obviously a switch hitter so you can you can put him in anywhere you can run for him anywhere, um, but I think the I, we're already playing a ton of guys out of position. I mean, Cespedes <laughs> isn't a center fielder. I can't believe that he's our center fielder every day. I, I don't know how that ever happened. But then we're playing Matt Reynolds in the outfield. We're playing, you know, guys all over the place. Putting Jose Reyes in to play third base for us or second base for us just scares me. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, it could be like, uh, you know, if you guys uh, fondly remember uh, the experiment where we had Daniel Murphy in the outfield, you know, or, you know, it just these things happen where you try it out and it doesn't work. So at least he's got the, you know, they're trying him out at third base, which in theory makes a lot more sense than playing in the outfield. But. Uh, yeah, I feel like you're right that at least to start, you know, he probably won't actually be in the starting lineup, you know, at least for the first few 
you know, maybe the first week or whatever, there was a lot of talk on the broadcast about him hitting leadoff. And I'm like, all right, we'll settle down there because, you know, you want your leadoff hitter to get on base. And we don't know that he can do that. It's It's been a while. So... Uh, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see. It doesn't mean much, but I want to know what kind of a start he gets off to in the minors. Uh, I know he had a start in Brooklyn today. Um, go figure. They uh, had there was trouble getting tickets for uh, for the uh, Cyclones game, but uh, so we'll see. But yeah, I think that some sort of like super sub, super utility guy is probably the best option to get the most production out of him. So, I don't know. We'll see. And uh, hopefully, you know, it works out. And if it doesn't, there really wasn't that much uh, ventured. And either way, as we were talking about before you called in, Joe, he's got his $38 million from the Rockies no matter what happens. So uh, he could uh, probably go back to putting his face on the Cabaret's bottle of wine. You can't see because you're on the phone. But uh, I've been holding on to this. Oh, and- oh I, I've seen it. In fact, uh, since our fifth of seven losses, fifth loss in seven games to the Braves, I've been drinking a cocktail of bleach <laughs> and Reyes Cabernet uh, pretty much the last few hours. Does that, how does that taste? Is that I mean, is it is it good or does the bleach actually make the Cabernet say, taste the, better? The bleach probably helps, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it makes me feel better, guys. That's all that That's matters. That's all yeah. that matters. Well, uh, before we uh, break down some of the games from this week, let's uh, talk about uh, some more roster moves. Uh, Matt, you might remember a couple weeks ago I blurted out, hey, whatever happened to Brandon Nimmo? Well, now we know. he's uh, He went over for 4 today. Are you sure that wasn't Conforto? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the other thing. So Conforto finally did get sent down. There was talk for weeks. I was largely convinced that they weren't going to, that maybe he just so wasn't either. get as many starts. I still think that's kind of a weird move. But I, I mean, I mean, they talked I about, how they, they talked about how they did it for Darno, and he, ta- they, he supposedly talked to Darno a lot before he went, what to work on. But yeah, I, I don't know that it, it really it makes the most sense considering what the alternatives are. Um, but, uh, Joe, as our guest, let me ask you, what do you think about sending Conforto down? Do you think it'll help him clear his head or, uh, could it just be, you know, a bit of a humiliation for him? I think it's a good move. I think it will help him clear his head, but I, I don't, I guess it's like, it's a good move right now, but I don't think it should have had to come to this. The way he's been handled since he came up with like, you're not going to hit against lefties and you're not going to play every day. But when you play, you're going to hit three is like, how are you the three hitter or not in the lineup? That's just not, that's not consistent thinking. I think if it had been handled since he proved himself as a big league hitter early in the season and certainly last year in the playoffs and everything. Um, and he earned the spot to hit third for us. Hey, you're our three hitter. Uh, you're hitting in the three hole until you prove otherwise. And, and we're not, benching you versus lefties or whatever, I don't think it would have come to this. I think this is now where we're at because of the way they handled him mentally and the lineup. And so now, it's yeah, it's got to be the move because you just keep moving him down, keep moving him down the lineup benching him half the games and now he's still not producing right you gotta you, you gotta do this so you think it just hurt his mental game even more the way they handled him. Yeah, I do. He proved he was a big league hitter yeah. last year, in my opinion. I don't know why we were platooning him to start the season. I understand platooning him when you bring a guy up in August, but he proved he could hit. He proved he could hit lefties. He's, he's our everyday left fielder. Yeah. Put him out there and, and, you know, ride with these young guys. Every pitcher that we rode with proved to be 
right? So let him go out there and you know yeah. take his lump. Well, I, I was going to say I, go I, that's why. I mean, I guess that's sort of why I agree with you. I think that's a very good point. Putting him in a three hole puts immense pressure. I mean, partly because the lineup stinks to high heavens, and it's yeah. like, well, we thought he was our best option. But I, you know, part of me looks at the Mets roster as so what if he's in a huge slump nobody hits you know so to me it's almost like there isn't there isn't really i think we've created this false sense of like it's all on conforto nobody in the lineup's hitting so it's like just lay off conforto and let him work it out in the seven hole which is you know i guess that that was my my thoughts were like just leave him in the seven hole let him play every day let him play against lefties if he if he is a good hitter, if he is a good hitter, I just don't. I don't I'm not sure what um, the minors really do for somebody who is you know a professional hitter who came in you know last year and proved he could play. My other part that I don't like is I don't like basically putting Nimmo now in the same exact position yeah. that Conforto was in, which is a high stress. I mean, Nimmo made the last out. You know, it's like against Viscaino, who's, you know, a top reliever, like, yeah. you're putting these guys in immense high-pressure situations. I don't know what swapping out one for another would be. I understand if you want to move yeah. Conforto down. I just don't know that putting Nimmo in there right now is the answer. And to Joe's point, I mean, yes, obviously, sports in general, it's a lot of what have you done for me lately, but who on the Mets active roster hit two home runs in a World Series game? Uh, Conforto, and now he's down. And I don't know, I hope it helps him clear his head the way they want it to, but I don't know about any of you, but I saw uh, Ike Davis play first base for the AAA 51s uh, after he had been sent down for the same thing, and it didn't help. And, you know, he's... uh, I think he just disappeared at some point, you know, like Marty McFly's brother and sister. Just (laughs) gradually he started, you know, becoming transparent, and then he was gone. And, yeah, I don't even know if I remember Ike Davis at this point. You know what? I actually had a a theory that I just came up with, Joe. You think maybe they just sent him to Vegas to quote-unquote clear his head? You know? <laughs> yeah, just a couple of nights out on the town with Justin Herrera, going to, you know, going but, to the casino, going to Spearmint uh, Rhino, yeah. and the next thing you know, he's hitting again. Yeah. I like that idea. I don't know. He strikes me as more of an Olympic Garden guy. But anyway, I think that uh, basically. Here's the thing, you know, I, I have a, a as, as these two know, Joe, I have an 11-month-old son, so I can't be irresponsible, but what I'd love to do is, you know, go out to Vegas and see a 51s game with uh, Conforto and Reyes, you know, in the lineup, because that would be fun, but no, I'll just, you know, hope that they show it on the internet or whatever. <laughs> I'll go for you. Thank you. Yeah, that's true. You go there a lot for work, so yeah. uh, enough that people think you live there. Yeah, but exactly. Anyway, so, uh, I don't know, I think it's interesting, and... I hope it helps him, and I hope he's back before too long mm-hmm. because, you know, you look at the schedule in the next uh, couple weeks, and you're like, yeah, we could probably use Conforto's bat in the lineup, but we have Brandon Nimmo now who could, you know, really, like Matt was saying, that's a lot of pressure. Uh, but someone moving along, someone who has been handling the pressure very well this week is uh, Familia, and now he's started the season with 26 converted save chances. And I think it's 40 back to last regular season because they don't count the postseason when they do these things. And, yes, he had three blown saves in the World Series. I would say one of them was his fault. But, uh, anyway, he's taken the the most saves converted to start the season. He's taken that Mets record away from Armando Benitez. So anytime anybody takes anything from Armando Benitez, I'm excited and I want to talk about it. (laughs) Um, The interesting thing about Familia, because we saw it within the last month, when it's not a safe chance, you know, it's just 
He's not the same pitcher. Uh, Joe, what do you think about Familia on the whole, his ability in the save situations and then being used in the non-save role? Well, before we get to Familia specifically, it's like Terry Collins and bullpen. They just, I don't even, he doesn't know what he's doing. He has no idea how to manage a bullpen. It's like he's throwing darts at a dartboard (laughs) with pictures of his pitchers all over it. And just hoping for the best. <laughs> Obviously, Familia, you know, has a different sort of focus when it's not a safe situation. He's been great in safe situations, as as exciting as he makes some of the games where he puts the leadoff guy on yeah. and then, you know gets us all on the edge of our seat and then gets the save. But it's like if you know that about him, why are we putting him into games uh, and taxing him when it seems like every time that happens? The next day, it's like a real save situation right. where it's like a one-run game and we need him. It's just like give him a day off. Addison Reed, you know, obviously blew the, blew the game against the uh, Braves this week on the, on the late-inning homer, but he is a former closer. He's a competent guy. If we don't need to pitch him in the eighth and then go to Familia in the ninth just because that's baseball these days. It's like, let him have the ninth in non-safe situations and save that familiar focus for what he's good at. Agree. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not to the same egregious level, but, you know, Matt Williams of the Nationals essentially lost his job because he's like, I pitch my eighth inning guys in the eighth inning and my ninth inning guys in the ninth inning. And sometimes, you know, look, I'm glad to see Familia get the four or five out save occasionally. Apparently he has the, I don't know if he has the most, but uh, I forget what number they said yesterday. I should have uh, written it down. But, you know, I like using him in that in that way because I'd rather he, you know, get five outs when they matter, then, oh, he hasn't pitched in a few days, so let's bring him out with a 7 nothing lead, and hopefully he can hang on. So uh, I, I like the way that uh, that he pitches, obviously, when when he gets the saves. But, yeah, uh, I don't know. I think that there, there are occasions where it makes sense to use him, you know, when he hasn't pitched in a while. Maybe if – maybe another losing streak is around the corner. Hopefully not, but uh, – I, I don't know. It, it's just all four of the wins they have this week, uh, Familia got the save. So uh, he's a huge part of the team. And, you know, obviously I want them to keep him rested, but not too rested. And uh, I don't know. It's such a – you're right, though. I'd like somebody other than, than Terry to handle those decisions. But yeah, uh, I, I guess I had a question, Joe. Who, which reliever do you think's arm is going to fall off first on the Mets? Oh, Henderson. It's already fallen off. Oh, well, that's true. He's our, who's next to go? I guess who's next to go? Robles? Yeah. Well, that's who I'm going to talk uh, about next. Or is it Addison Reed? I mean, Addison Reed's been pitching a tremendous yeah. amount. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah it could be Reed. Uh, speaking of uh, Hansel Robles, uh, I wanted to, you know, we've been uh, very critical of Hansel Ro- Robles on the show uh, on more than one occasion. But he was great on Tuesday in the game where... Uh, Cologne was the scheduled starter, mm-hmm. and he threw one pitch. I think it was one pitch. Mm-hmm. He had one batter. And uh, then Robles uh, pitched, what, three and two-thirds inning, and it was way more than he'd ever pitched before. And, you know, I mean, he looked great. And, you know, Terry being Terry, uh, he trotted him out there for a couple more innings only a few nights later. But that's all right. He looked great on that night. And in a game where you just feel like, okay, 
we all know what the Kansas City Royals are capable of and, you know, how they take advantage of any kind of mistakes or anything that happens unexpectedly. And I don't know, I was really impressed by Robles. Uh, Matt, you first. What did you think of Matt? Of yourself. It was a really fluky thing yeah. that happened to Cologne, who, who is mm-hmm. our, our workhorse, has been all year. The one guy where you're like, all right, you know what? It, it, at least we won't have to use five relievers today. Right. right. <laughs> you know, it's weirdly, Cologne's become the guy where you're like, all right, well, at least some of the bullpen will get rest. And that didn't happen. And, uh, you know, maybe that was the best outing of, of Robles' career, for all I know. I don't really know, uh, you know. Well, I, he'd I never thrown anywhere near that many pitches. Yeah, I mean, look, like, it was, the record was 60. It, it was amazing, that. and it set up, wow. weirdly, like we said, the best week we've had since we started doing this podcast. Yeah, four and two. Yeah, Joe, uh, the way that the shows work is we started doing it in, in mid-May. Basically, uh, a good week is we have a a 500 week or maybe one game over 500. <laughs> Most weeks we we lose the Sunday game right before the show. So yeah, then we have a about? sub 500 <laughs> week and you know it happened again today but we still had a 4 and 2 week. So uh you know this for us doing the show was a great week. And of course, you see the Mets, they uh play really hard and a couple of tough games against the Royals, they win and then as you mentioned They split a series against the Braves, who swept them only last weekend. They're the worst team in baseball by record, and I posed this question last week. If you get beaten by the worst team in baseball, does that make you the worst team in baseball on that day? Your thoughts, Joe? No, I don't think so. (laughs) I I think the the Braves just have a weird – this horrible Braves team that can't beat anybody has to win some game somewhere, and it just seems like – we are that team for them, and that sucks as Mets fans. Uh, but you know we're we're still hanging around despite all the injuries and despite everything. You know we come into a game uh, series with the Nationals, uh, and we're down three games. We're going to lose games that we shouldn't lose as well, and it just seems like all of those games are going to be against the Braves. Um, yeah, we beat. You know we. we play a, a World Series rematch against the Royals, and like you said, we get both those games, and then we come back with the worst <laughs> team in baseball, and we and we split after getting swept. It just seems like the Braves prospects and young kids and the guys who are hanging, the Freddie Freemans are hanging around going, you know what, screw the mess. We'll show you <laughs> reigning NL champs, and, and they've got our number at the moment, and it makes me ill, but uh, it's just the way it is. Yeah, no, it is just the way it is. And, you know, when we talk about that series against the Braves, they're lucky to have gotten that split because, you know, Matt's had an 8 nothing lead going into the fifth inning in that game. And, uh, you know, things stand out sometimes when you hear during the broadcast. And Keith Hernandez said, oh, you know, those second division teams, they uh, usually roll over if you jump them early enough. And I'm like, well... I I hope they don't they don't hear you say that because uh, and then there it was six runs in the fifth and they they hung on but I don't know I, I like Matts a lot but he seems to really be prone to the those kind of outings uh, Joe what do you think happened in that game and in general your thoughts on Matts I think I love Stephen Matts I think uh, on our pitching staff as far as the future goes he's only behind. Um, Syndergaard to me because he's lefty and because he's got such great stuff. But the one thing that you see with Matt when he's out there is even when he's cruising 
and he gives up, you know, he's, he makes a bad pitch and a guy, you know, hits a homer. He, he gets really angry. He's pounding his glove. He's cursing. He's throwing stuff when he gets back into the dugout. I think as great as this stuff is and as great as he's been in the big league since we brought him up, he's still very young. He's still very immature. And I think he loses his cool and he loses his focus, you know, really easily. Um, and I think at, with, with a couple more, uh, with a couple more months in the big leagues, a little bit more time to mature, I think a lot of that stuff's going to go away and you're going to see him have, you know, a, an inning that falls apart a little bit, but instead of it being six runs, it's two or three runs. Yeah, no, no, I think that, uh, you know, that's obviously the damage control we're trying to weather with Harvey right now is having that one inning not get out of hand. So hopefully they learn the same thing. Uh, Matt, your thoughts on that game as you watched it, because we were actually trading emails at that point, and also, you know, like Joe was saying about Matt's in general. There's nothing worse than I, I literally went out and walked my dog, and it was eight nothing. <laughs> and the park is across the street from my yeah. house, so I'm playing fetch with my dog, and I yeah. come back and it's eight six, and I'm like, yeah, and Max is playing I, fetch with the Braves hitters. Yeah, you know, but you know what's you know what's weird is um, I, I I don't it's it's odd because like when I watch Matt's pitch, you know, and you see him cruising along, it's it's unthinkable to me with his stuff to have six runs. So I guess you know maybe you're right, Joe. Maybe it is. Immaturity because his stuff is too good to allow a six run inning. I mean, that's just not what, you know, if you think he's the number two guy, I, you know, I don't know. I guess that's uh, debatable. I mean, obviously, it's either him or DeGrom. See, I, I like DeGrom because for right now, I think DeGrom has the maturity to work through when he doesn't have his best stuff or if he throws a bad pitch, he's going to come right back and shake it off. So sure. to me, I mean, I, you know, I think maybe long-term Mets, you know, because he's three years younger, he may be, you know, a number two guy for the Mets. But right now, it's just unfathomable that you could give up six runs to this Braves lineup, which, right. is, which is garbage. Yeah, know? because Freddie Freeman's the guy who shouldn't beat you. And then there's everybody else who, you know, obviously he's the guy who can beat you, so you just have to figure out how to pitch Freddie Freeman, which, you know, the Mets did in April, but the whole Braves team wasn't hitting Wait, hold on. Can I ask a question, though, to all of you guys? Sure. Why do we pitch to Freddie Freeman at all in the entire series? What's wrong with intentionally or non-intentionally walking him? Like the Cubs did to Bryce Harper earlier this year. They walked him twice. What do you you think? I mean... I think especially against a team like that, 100%. Why not not take that moment? Just... and that gives the whole team time to kind of like gather yourselves and not keep that keep the runs going. It's a lot really. of pressure, yeah, yeah. And, and not in the instance you know where Cologne gave up the home run today. That's just what happened, you know. I mean, right. there was nobody on base. You know, he just <laughs> he was able to really turn on an eighty-five mile per hour fastball. Good for him. But uh, yeah, no, I think that he is. You know, there are these teams like Keith calls them the second division teams. Teams like the Braves have the only really the one guy. Like Nick Markakis, you don't have to walk at this point in his career. But Freddie Freeman, he's on a tear right now. Yeah. And I think he went three for three today. And, you know, I, you know some people point, some I people agree. would say that, uh, you know, maybe he's a little too comfortable at the plate. That's the old school mentality, obviously. We don't hit people anymore in baseball. But um, <laughs> two other points that I wanted to make. Uh, Matt, you picked DeGrom over Matt's, even though he's from Long Island. I, I think you might have to turn in your Long Island card. <laughs> I um, said right now. Right, right now. now. Oh, okay. All right. But uh, And then, Andrea, your thoughts sort of on, you know, when you see that that's what happens in a game, that the Mets are up 8 
to nothing mm-hmm. going into the fifth inning, and then the inning ends and it's eight six. And if you have any thoughts on Stephen Matz, and if you're true to the five one six area code, uh, unlike Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we got two Long Islanders here. Jack. That's really funny because of course I always want to be true to my home. Of course, yeah, of course my home peeps, but uh, I have to say that I actually completely agree with Joe as far as the maturity level, and I mean, DeGrom is just... I'm a big fan of his, so I would choose him not even knowing that there was an age difference. I think it does come with your demeanor and the way you conduct yourself, and like Matt said, the fact that he could go one pitch, you know, mess up, and then he is just right back in the, okay, that's gone, it's out of my brain. Any pitcher who can do that is really amazing. Yeah, and, and there's I a lot of good pitchers who can't do that. Can do, well, a, right, but a great example is Zach Greinke. Like, if he gets a couple guys on and gives up a couple hits, he was one of the best pitchers last year. And you get men on, he's he's out there talking to himself, and you know he'll give up a few more hits. But anyway, back to your point, Well, Andrew. all I'm trying to say is with DeGrom up there, I don't ever feel nervous. Like, I literally watch, and I don't feel a wave of, like, what's going to happen next, because I do feel like he gets control. I think with Matt, and I think even with Reed, I kind of feel like this I get a little nervous like oh they're so cute they're gonna like do well and oh but he gave that up okay Uh. we'll try and make that up somewhere else you know like I mean obviously it's not just an attractive factor but I'm just saying they're like they look like their whole demeanor the way they play is kind of boyish style still to me Right. Um, back to DeGrom. Joe, your thoughts on the way he pitched yesterday uh, against uh, Julio Tehran, who, you know, now two starts in a row has, you know, pitched like Cy Young in his Cy Young season, uh, that uh, he looked great again. And, you know, I think that DeGrom gave up a couple more hits, but it didn't matter. Uh, just talk about how he's pitching right now to Grom and what you think that says about his ability and where we might see him go the rest of the season. Well, I will, you know, to go back, you know, I said I would take math kind of long-term in the future, even over to Grom. I don't want that to come off as that. I don't love Jacob to sure. If we had, if, if we go into a wild card situation at, you know, one of those, if the season ended today's thing and I had my pick of the guys, DeGrom would be the guy. I love Jacob DeGrom. What he did in the playoffs last year yeah. was incredible. Uh, you see that, like you said, he's, you know, he's a bulldog. You can get guys on and you know you need a strikeout. You know, you get a guy on third with one out and you're like, he's got a strikeout too or this guy's probably going to score. He's going to do it. I yeah. love his stuff. I love the way he competes. Um, the Mets go out and get early runs. You know, he doesn't have to be that sharp. He'll still go and get you know, he'll do he'll do what he's got to do to get to six or seven. But when, you know, his back's against the wall and he's pitching against somebody who's also pitching great, he's going to keep pace. And that's that's why I have more trust in Jacob DeGrom than just about anybody on, on the Mets pitching staff. Um, you know, my, my thoughts before were kind of like in terms of these guys as prospects and yeah. long-term view. But I love Jacob DeGrom, and I know regardless of if he has a bad start or if he has a bad inning – or if he has a bad, you know, couple of innings, that if he's in the mix and and it's a close game, he's going to be able to, you know, just turn that focus up because he's a little more mature and he knows he has great stuff. And I have complete trust in him, regardless of what happens. 
next start or last start or whatever. I love Jacob Degrom. Right. I would probably say he's up there with Cologne and his ability to shrug off a bad inning or a bad start. I mean, I was at, last year. I was at NLDS Game Five at Dodger Stadium, and he did not pitch well. But you know, you want to talk about a bulldog performance? He can gut out a, a win or at least you know. At no decision in a game where he's not pitching well. And some of the other guys, I'm not as sure about. I mean, even Syndergaard has shown flashes of when it's not there, you know, he might give up four runs. You know, then he'll hit two home runs and that might help. But it, it's interesting. I think you're right. He's the guy that you feel most comfortable if, if he's, if it's just not there, uh, being able to kind of navigate you it. You know what I think, too, for this Mets team? The difference between three runs and four runs is monumental. I agree. <laughs> right? I mean, Unfortunately, like, DeGrom's yeah. the yeah. guy who, if he's not pitching well, will give up two or three runs and give us a chance. A slim one. With, right. with, with three runs on the board, let's face it, we have no chance uh, <laughs> of winning a game. But but I, I do like, I feel like he's like our three-run yeah. you know three run limit guy. Yeah, no, today's a perfect example. I mean, it, it was a Cologne start, but, you know, when it was one to nothing going into the eighth, you're like, okay, they could probably win this. And then it was five to nothing, you're like, well, that that's not happening. All right, I have another uh, unorthodox theory that I was uh, going to propose here. Joe, what are your, what are your thoughts on, I, I knew this was going to happen, and I'm going to, you know, whatever, I'm going to lie and say that I'm psychic, but I actually did have a feeling that this is going to go that way. I didn't want them to take Cologne out. Is that crazy? When he got hit? In the eighth. No, I'm talking oh. about in the eighth no, inning. No, no. I didn't oh, want to take him out. Him to keep I didn't well, want to take him had, out. He only had like 75, 75 pitches. pitches. So what yeah. were your thoughts on that? I, I thought keep Cologne in in a one nothing game. Let him let him be an automatic out, but leave him out there. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I mean, what Bartolo Cologne, it's one thing when we're talking about these 20-somethings with crazy arms and all that. We're talking about Bartolo. The guy also had 300 pitches, if you ask him to. I don't even think he's counting. Yeah. Like, just no. let him go. Yeah. This this overthinking of our bullpen, and I know that there's overthinking of our bullpen because four of the guys are crazy pitching prospects with, you know, insane velocity and crazy stuff, and it's all like, who's, who's going to get hurt? Who's not going to get hurt? Pitch counts, the modern baseball... Bartolo Colon is literally from another time. So just <laughs> let Bartolo Colon go out there and just don't even tell him his pitch yet. Don't even tell him what inning it is. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. That's true. Home starts uh, when he's on the mound. They should you know, take the graphics down and just, you know, don't worry about it. Just go out and throw some more pitches. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, obviously if Granderson had hit a home run there, then we'd be like, oh, yeah, I disagreed with it at the time, but look, it paid off. And that's the thing, you know, whatever you're going to bring in after Cologne, because both Reed and Familia were not available, they made that very clear, odds are pretty good that they're not going to pitch as well, and Bastardo definitely didn't. I don't think he got an out. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I wasn't thinking that about the game now, but now that you say it, I'm like, yeah, he definitely could have gone a little bit longer. I mean, he could have pitched. Yeah. He could still be pitching uh, now, really. I just, I just don't know what the conventional – I guess, you know, look, Terry Collins also is literally from another era, yeah, right? true. And so I don't think he even thinks outside the box on like, oh, the pitcher's up in the eighth and we're down one, so I guess I have to put a pinch hitter in, you know? But, like, yeah. let's look at the totality of what we have left here, right? It's like yeah. we still have four at-bats left to get one run. Also, keep it at a one-run game versus, yeah. you know, the, the alternative, which is – even giving up one run, the game's over. Yeah. You know, I mean, they ended up scoring five, and then we came back. I think they got two. Like, yeah, but you, you got to keep it at one. 
Yeah, and and Bartolo Colon at that point gave you the best. I mean, even if he'd had 120 pitches, like Joe says, he still gave you the best chance to not even necessarily win, but you know, just the there's that uh, that stat that annoys me in fantasy baseball. Some leagues have the hold, but it is actually very important to have somebody on your team who can you know just hold and maintain, and he'd be the starting pitcher, so. It wouldn't have been and you know what else too? And you know the, what bothers me about it is I think we would all be sitting here if he had kept Cologne in and Cologne batted and he struck out. I think we'd all and it, and it ended up being a one nothing game. I think we'd be okay with that. Yeah, especially if he lost his helmet when he swung <laughs> because everybody loves when he loses his helmet. Uh, I want to move on to next week, but uh, before we do, I need to give a shout out to uh, Kelly Johnson because without Kelly Johnson, uh, the Mets would have gone I think twenty four innings without scoring. But uh, you know that mm. pinch hit home run yesterday in the eleventh. I just felt like I'm like that had all of the indications of one of those 18-19 inning games. You know, neither team could score. Could score. They both had really good, great starting pitching. And uh, you know, I love Kelly Johnson as a guy off the off the bench. I liked when they traded for him from the Braves last year. I like that they did it this year. It's going to be great when they trade for him from the Braves next year. You know, just every year, let's just add him somewhere. You know, in like June. But uh, I don't know. That's not even really. Nobody needs to comment on that. That's just a shout out. <laughs> I was very excited. I was just like, good for him, you know, because uh, you know it's it's like, why do you guys keep trading me away? But anyway, I'll hit a home run for the other team. Uh, anyway, so as we look at next week, uh, we're heading into uh, three very important games against the Washington Nationals, and uh, you know they, the Nationals, had lost seven games in a row before today. Uh, a couple of them very late, uh, one of them in particular because a ball went between Michael Taylor's legs uh, at Dodger Stadium. But I I don't know. I'm glad they won today because I don't want to face a team that has lost eight in a row. But uh, it's... Uh, and they lost Strasburg today. And they lost, yeah, they DL'd them uh, retroactively to, I think, Tuesday. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's good that they got a win out of their system. Um, I don't know how ready the Mets team is to face them, you know, in D.C., but uh, they sh- they sure have played well there the last couple seasons uh, after, you know, many years of not playing well there. So uh, I'll go to our guest first. Joe, do you think that they're ready for this matchup with the Nationals? I don't know. I mean, big league baseball, when you're playing 162 games, it's like, what is ready? Yeah. You know, if – if they were healthy, they'd be re- they'd be more ready. That's that's for sure. But um, you know, it's a grind, and I think the I think what's important about this series is we're certainly not ready with who we're we're kind of trotting out there every day. Mm. But if you trot out your B team and you go into a series down three games and you you just win the series, you know, you win two one and you pick up a game with not your best guys, to me, I think that that gives you a little bit of like, oh, well, now we've got, uh, you know, we've got them a couple more games before the All-Star break. Like, we're right there, and we can do this, and we can actually, like they did last year, uh, get up in the division, and then when people start coming back, you know, widen the gap. I'm I'm hoping that's the way it goes. so, you know, I don't know, like you said, if they're ready. Sure. But I'd just like to see them go in there and battle. Obviously, we're going to have Syndergaard and Harvey and Max again. 
Yeah, um, uh, that part's unclear, but yeah, it's definitely Syndergaard and, and Harvey, and as Matt mentioned, uh, Strasburg will be on the DL. Uh, the uh, biggest crime is that we're going to miss Gio Gonzalez, who is just, I, I think lost isn't a strong enough word for just how he's pitched uh, this season, and you saw flashes of it last year. Uh, so, you know, Joe Ross is most likely to pitch tomorrow, so you feel like, okay, that's that's a favorable matchup. And then uh, Harvey and Scherzer possibly on Tuesday, and if not, then Scherzer will pitch on Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're getting, I don't know, you're getting a couple of breaks, but uh, we'll have to see how it all shapes out. And, you know, they're going into that series uh, three games behind uh, Washington for the division lead. They're now tied with the Marlins uh, for that three games. You know, they could have pulled a, a they could have uh, still been two games behind if they won today. But it, in a way, that doesn't matter as far as I'm concerned because they're going to play them seven times before the All Star break. So, how they play those games is very important. Sure, you want to be a game closer. But, uh, Matt, what do you think as you look at that series that's about to start tomorrow? You guys know I've been saying this for basically the entire month, the two words are treading water. Yes. Which is, again, I would just keep doing that, right? We have 14 games before the break. Seven yeah. of them are against the Nationals. Just go seven and seven or, you know, out of the seven games against the Nationals, you have to win at least three. Yeah. That's the bottom line, yeah. right? You know, and, and yeah, and it's, just, ca- it's kind of the reverse of what I thought for the Nationals last year when the Mets were running them down. It's like the Nats like only needed to win one game in each of those series, yeah. and then they lost all the games in both of those. And, series. And, you know, we've yeah. been pretty good, other than you know getting swept by the Braves. We've been pretty good at this treading water yeah. thing. Right. You know, we've managed to stay. You know, at at worst, we were four games over five hundred. You know, it's like yeah. I'd like to see us at ten games over, but I don't know if that's realistic. Harvey still hasn't proven that he's, you know, no, more than a serviceable number four journeyman, you know, pitcher. I, yeah, I wanted to ask you, Prano, I mean, like, what do you think Matt Harvey is? Is You know, like, at this point, I don't know. I think he's just like, maybe we just have to accept that he's just like a decent number four journeyman. And maybe he's, he's just not an ace in any way, shape, or form. Pretty good number four, though, if, that's, if that is the case. You know, yeah. um, when you look at pitching matchups, I'll take Matt Harvey on his best day against most everybody's four, if not their three. And obviously we don't always get Matt Harvey's best day, Mm -hmm. but I like that. I like that he's put in that position mentally. It's like, Hey man, that, you know, let's see what we get out of you today. Cause I think that pisses him off a little bit. And I think that, (laughs) I think that makes him pitch better. And it, it really, it's, it's, you know, it's a lot like last year with injuries and, and us not hitting, but now you mix in a little bit that the, the pitchers who are just lights out, every guy we brought up worked out, everybody figured it out. It's like now they've got a little bit, and we're still hanging around three games back. If these guys all kind of hit their stride simultaneously, I mean, right now we're in a playoff spot. You know, that's crazy. We're starting James Loney at first base. We started Reynolds in the outfield the other day. Jose Reyes was just re-signed. And we're three games out. Like, if if things start to break our way, and that includes Matt Harvey kind of figuring it out a little bit and becoming what Matt Harvey is capable of, we're right there. And I think the National Series – and seven games with them before the break really helps. I think that our our Mets squad 
thinks a little bit like we kind of own this Nationals team, and I hope that they come out and they act that way. Yeah, yeah I think that they should definitely come out uh, that way. And one of the things we haven't mentioned is that Papelbon is also unavailable. I, I think he's officially on the DL, and if he's not, they're not using him right now because of an injury. Uh, Andrea, what was your thought? I was going to say I think it's something that they need to take literally game, game by game, day yeah. by day. And it's funny because you were talking about Harvey, and I feel like – that's kind of something or a place where we need to think out of the box also. And it was a really good point you made. And I feel like Harvey's one of those players that maybe if Collins thinks a little outside of the box when it comes to him, being prepared for everything day by day with the Nationals, because literally with the news that happens so quickly with this Mets team right now, how can you think anything past that, really? You know, you, really you don't have even know to who's going to be on the no, team tomorrow. You really yeah. don't. So it is why crazy. freak out about it? Take yeah. it game by game. Yeah, and uh, to uh, put it back on the Nationals for a second, you know, I referenced how they lost seven games in a row, and a couple of them were late, you know, sort of like heartbreaking losses, but you still lost seven games in a row, and it's interesting because there was so much fuss made in the offseason that, like, oh my god, they signed Dusty Baker, but... I never saw that as like, oh, that's going to change things because he's such a great manager. I mean, if you just look back to his most recent stint in Cincinnati, I mean, he brought them to the playoffs and they fired him anyway, you know? And, you know, you just kind of look at his body of work. He He's older. He's chewed a lot more toothpicks. And I don't know how much of an impact he makes because the team doesn't look that different from last year's team. Uh, just that Drew Storen's not on it. But other than that, it, it, it doesn't seem that different, and they seem to have a lot of the same problems. Uh, I'll ask everybody, but Joe, you first. How much of a difference does the manager make? I mean, Matt Williams was run out of town, but you know the, the team's playing about as well as they were for him, for Dusty Baker. Yeah, I think uh, Dusty Baker is certainly an upgrade from Matt Williams just in the way that, I mean, there was guys choking each other in their dugout down the stretch <laughs> last year. Very so. true. <laughs> Hard to be a downgrade. Uh, you know, when they, when they got uh, Dusty Baker, what I was worried about, but not, you know, what I was thinking was, oh, this could be, this could really turn around the Nationals and they run away with the NL East, but we hang around and maybe we sneak in a wild card and we can still do damage with our pitching staff if we make the playoffs, even if it's, you know, having to win a wild card game just to move on. But the fact that, that that isn't the way it's gone that it didn't change their whole culture and we're talking you know we're a week plus out of the all-star break and we're terrible and injured and can't (laughs) hit again and we're two games out you're like okay maybe it's not you know it's an upgrade because no one's been choked yet but it's maybe it's not that much of an upgrade yeah, you know, it wasn't just any guy getting choked. You know, it was the face of the franchise getting choked. So, yeah, you're right. It's a little bit better off. Um, and uh, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I'm uh, very interested in, in that uh, that series and really those seven games against the Nationals. I think that that will, you know, it's definitely kind of an obvious statement, but it'll tell us pretty much everything we need to know about where the Mets are at the break what they need to do. I mean, if they play, like Matt said, if they tread water in that series, that's great. Anything above treading water, like if they get four out of seven, that's uh, that's just some delicious country gravy, gravy sprinkled on top. Um, so not only do they play the Nationals, but uh, we get uh, 
let's see, yeah, four games against the Cubs oh after the three against the Nets. And uh, <laughs> Thursday should be John Lackey against DeGrom, and John Lackey gave up seven earned runs in 4.1 innings yesterday. So uh, hopefully we see that. Uh, then I think we'll see Jason Hamill and Cologne. And then um, I don't know what I have planned on Saturday, but I'm going to probably cancel it because I think that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, obviously you never know how it shakes out, but it should be Arietta Syndergaard. And Remember I was saying they ne- he never he hasn't had a marquee he, matchup this yeah, year. Yeah, cuz like Syndergaard will miss Kershaw, he'll you know, he'll miss everybody. But uh yeah, you're right. He's going to get Arietta and then I guess Sunday would be John Lester Harvey. So, I mean, it's not a particularly uh favorable uh matchup for the Mets, but uh you know, I, I don't know. Are we are we hoping they split that series too, man? <laughs> Matt, or uh, I, I got to be honest, I, I I'm terrified of the Cubs right now. Yeah, I, mean, I, I know that they, another league yeah. right now from where we're, our our lineup is at versus yeah. theirs. I mean, it's ridiculous. They just got roughed up by the Marlins, but I think the Marlins are putting a better product on the field than the Mets are right now, the and then the Nationals good. too. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I, Joe, your thoughts on the series later this week against the Cubs? I, it's crazy to not be afraid of the Cubs yeah. with their with their lineup. But it's it's the same thing a little bit to me as this national team is. We swept them in the playoffs last year, and it's you know baseball is such a funny game that you go out there and you get a good pitching performance from your guys. It you know you really only have to score three or four runs and and I know four runs from the Mets is like a miracle but <laughs> you know those pitching matchups aren't that bad for us and I think that being that it's in New York and it's it's sandwiched between some you know uh, uh, national series we've got we've got it like you said we've got a split I mean to me. You can't get swept, and even going one and three is like it, it hurts more mentally than it does in the standings. And I think yeah. just just battling with them and splitting a series when you know you're going to face Arietta is, I think to me that's saying, hey guys, we just split with you, and we don't have our best stuff. We'll see you in uh, July in Chicago, and we'll probably see you in October. Right, exactly. No, no, no. I mean, I think that's a great point. And uh, yeah, I mean, there is the fact that it's Lackey and Jason Hamill also in the mix, you know. And I, I don't know. I uh, I hope they're at least fun games to watch because yeah, sure. uh, there's, you know, the the Mets in the postseason was a lot of fun to watch against the Cubs, but in the regular season, they did they. They lost the season series. Were they swept in the season series by the Cubs? Or I know that happened for the Pirates. I think that they it also happened for the Cubs. But uh, Andrea, as you think about those both of those series, really the Nationals and the Cubs this week, what do you think about this week, and what kind of expectations do you have for the week? I want to hope that, like I said, after taking it day by day or game by game, which who knows? That's me talking, so <laughs> not Terry Collins. Um, that if they do do decently against the Nationals that maybe that feeds a little positivity into the Cubs. Like, just because you just don't know. You know, like Joe's saying, you you never know what level the Cubs are on those days either, obviously. Yeah. They did the get swept the by the Cardinals spin. earlier this week. and you know Anything's the, possible. Yeah. That's what's so awesome about baseball. It's and, true. you know, people do make mistakes. I'd like to see the Mets make a little less... <laughs> 
mistakes. God. We haven't Especially even talked about like face running. Yeah, right. no, no, no. We're not going to. Or through but, your legs type things yeah. that, you know, you don't have your catcher back Yeah, we've already there. done an hour, saying, so it's like we don't have time for that yeah. stuff. Yeah, so I'm just saying, I just, I hope that they maybe g- use a little momentum or gain a little momentum in going into that, because if they don't have that, then I'm just going to say it's over <laughs> for that for the week. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I don't know. It's, I hate uh, saying that, because it is so, ga- like, you never know, but No, you on. want, you know, you want them to be uh, competitive Competitive, uh, close games, and if anyone makes mistakes, uh, you want it to be uh, Jason Worth dropping a pop fly like he did in <laughs> Milwaukee today. I almost said Miami, uh, <laughs> Milwaukee today, which did happen. I saw, but uh, the uh, the Nats were able to hang on. Uh, so we're about to uh, wrap up here, Joe. Uh, but uh, what we always do here on the show is uh, we try to highlight who we think was the player of the week. Uh, now, we didn't prepare you for that, but uh, if you think about it, who's what's your snap reaction to who the best Mets player was this week? I mean, you know, I think about this question like the Mets must think about who they're giving the belts to in the locker room. <laughs> and uh, my, guy, my guy for the week, because he earned it a little bit, but also because I think uh, he needs a he needs a couple of days with the belt. Um, I'm giving it to Robles for coming Ooh. out after uh, after Cologne's you yeah. know injury and and having that strong performance. We were talking about how Familia is great in save situations before and not otherwise. It seems like Robles is normally only great when it doesn't matter <laughs> whether they're up, up seven or down seven. Yeah, uh, and now, that was his. Yeah, he turned the corner. He turned the he corner. Did. Hopefully. For the year. Nice. Yeah. No, uh, Robles is actually also my pick because I also have this expectation that he'll never even be under consideration again, but I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> um, I think the, the obvious pick would have been uh, Familia, but he was great this week. But I was just really impressed by Hansel Robles because he's, you know, I can't think of the last time where I would have said, hey, you know who really impressed me? Hansel Robles, he was great in two outings this week. Uh, Matt, do you have a player of the week? Yeah, you know, uh, interestingly, this just was from today more than the week. Uh, I'm going to give it to Cologne because he got hit right in his, yeah. in his in his thumb on his pitching hand. Right back out there. And it seems there. like everybody on the Mets would be out for, you know, for the foreseeable future. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean, this guy just, just goes to McDonald's and eats a hamburger and he's back <laughs> out there, like, stronger than ever. Yeah, you know? it's all he needed. He rubbed a little bit yeah. on his hand. He's the, like, I mean, he is like Harris. Sauce. He's like Harris from Major League. You, know? like, <laughs> you got your Crisco, you got your Vegasil. The, oh the worst thing for Cologne though is when he goes to McDonald's, he has to get a couple of Happy Meals. You know, one for each of his families. <laughs> oh he's, my but God. he's also wearing like a Happy Meal hat <laughs> on his head. Yeah, that's also true. Uh, Andrea, yes. uh, your thought for Player of the Week? Matt this week. and I are usually we're for some reason on the same page. Mine was between okay. Cologne and Cabrera. Okay. And I'm going to go with Cabrera because we all know how much pitching matters. And sure. so, you know, I like to give it to like the maybe not recognized guy. He had a couple of great so he had days a in a row, though. Home runs. Yeah. That, uh, not for nothing against Kansas City that we really that. needed. Yeah. And he made a great, that second out, second base out was amazing. That's right. Yeah. And I just think he really, he's become what we wanted Conforto to become, yeah. you know, step up in and take that position. So I'm going to go with Cabrera. And while I'm on this, can I just make a little shout out myself? Please. Yeah. Because we have a huge follower on Twitter, two of them. First of all, Samuel Hernandez, yeah. who found us like right away. And he's been awesome in following us on Twitter. And then Richard 
Herlihy, I hope I'm saying it right. He's awesome. He keeps me up to date when I'm traveling and I can't maybe watch the games. <laughs> nice. That's He's great. giving me the tweets. So you don't need the MLB app because you have these followers. I That's have great. Richard Herlihy. So thank you guys for watching the show and keep, you know, following us and tweeting us and tagging us and talking to us about the games yeah. and what your th- thoughts are. So. No, we appreciate all of that. And we also appreciate our guest, yes. uh, Joe Prano. Uh, you uh, co-host the Dirty Spots, <laughs> Dirty Sports Podcast. <laughs> That's what happens when I'm like, oh my God, we only have two minutes. And I just start talking too fast. The Dirty Sports Podcast. And uh, if you can, in a very brief minute, tell us why your Twitter name is Fix Your Life. <laughs> it's... Uh... Well, first of all, I got on Twitter, and my cousin had already taken Joe Prano. Okay. And that was before Hilarious. I realized you could do things like the real underscore <laughs> Joe um, Yeah. So I, I stole uh, a saying that my younger brother used to, do, used to say all the time. He would just tell people to fix their life if they didn't want to do something that he wanted to do, and then he would just shame you so quickly so and, and cut you so deep. Like, he'd be like, I have tickets to the Mets game. Do you want to go? And I'd be like, uh, I, uh, I got a date with this girl, and he just go fix your life, and he walk away. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and, and it would kill me, and so I just stole it from him uh, years ago, and I was like, I'm going to use fix your life. Great. Well, Joe, thanks so much for spending time with us, and uh, hopefully uh, we're able to uh, sit down with you again before the season's over. Joey, we'll go watch a game on the west side soon at the Mets bar. Yeah. You guys got to come. Yeah. Oh, is really it? Uh, uh, tell these guys. Tell these guys. There's a uh, they, they do Sunday brunch games at uh, at West, West Fourth. Fourth. Yeah, yeah, I went I went to one of those last year. Place. Yeah, we'll have to uh, do a group outing. Well, thanks again, uh, Joe Prano of the Dirty Sports Podcast on Twitter at Fix Your Life, and we appreciate your time. Uh, and speaking of time, we're way over time. This is so much longer than any show we've ever done before. I think you could. Uh, take a couple of our episodes and fill the same amount of time. <laughs> so for myself at Christian DMZ, for at Andy Fasano, and at Matt Ritter one and don't forget us, we're at ABTV Mets. You know, follow us too, and uh, we'll keep you in touch with uh, what we're doing, and uh, we will see you next time on Mets Wrap 360. Go Mets! From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.